0: So good to be with you today. We're starting a new series today that we're going to do throughout the summer. It's called name dropping. Name dropping is what you do when you just drop somebody's name in there that helps someone else know just how important you are. It's like, like you borrow somebody else's coolness, and it elevates your level of coolness, and now you become an authority because of you know somebody. right? Like all well, the boss said, it's kind of like, uh, like, like, this is actually true, you should trust everything I tell you, About beef jerky. I know about beef jerky. When I give you my opinion. That this is good beef jerky. That's bad beef jerky. You can trust my opinion. Why? Because I know. Snap into a Slim Jim. Macho man Randy Savage. I think we have a picture. (laughs) I know him. Snap into a Slim Jim. (laughs) So because I know him. I'm just name dropping him. You can trust what I say about beef jerky. That's not photoshopped at all, by the way. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. It's been said, maybe you've heard this before. It's been said, uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's because of who you know that opens up some doors of opportunity. Anyone ever heard that before? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Who you know. And because you know somebody, it gives you something, like some some leverage. It's kind of like if I was walking around a, a Tesla factory or... I walked into a meeting with a bunch of engineers for SpaceX, and I started showing a a photo of my friend, Elon. It's not photoshopped either. It's it's very real. See, I can name drop Elon Musk, and in the right situation, that gives me some extra authority. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, he knows Elon. But church, you are a child of a king. Not just a king. You're the child of the king. You're his child. When you receive Jesus, you're a child of the king. The king of kings. The lord of lords. And you're his kid. So when you're dealing with problems in your life, when there's demonic forces playing a role in your life, you can look at the demons and say, do you know who my dad is? Because you're a child of the king of kings. You can name drop Jesus. And demons get scared. In fact, I actually have a photo of that, too. (laughs) In this series, we're looking at the names of God, what the names of God have to say to our lives today, and it feels like for me, this series is uh, the culmination of 30 years worth of work. This is my, uh, let me explain that, this is my Bible, this is my first Bible I got, my parents gave it to me, uh, maybe around second grade, when I was able to read My Bibles before this one were like the kid, like the picture Bibles. They have like some stories in them. But this one has like Genesis, like every verse is in here. And uh, they got some like pictures in it too. Like this is how they did it in 1988 or something. And um, in the back, there was a section with a bunch of personal study notes. Like I could write in my Bible. And um, I remember one time I was... I was in the church van and my dad was driving the church van from our house to church on a Sunday night. And he was up in the front driving and I was in the back sitting there and he's singing this song. And it goes, it goes, Jehovah hides me under the rock. And I was like, who's that, dad? He said, Jehovah. I was like, well, who's that? I did, it was the first time I ever heard the word Jehovah. He said, well, that's another name for God. And I thought, by God, he's got more than one name. I couldn't believe it. And I started paying attention to that song and other songs. And any time we read a Bible verse that was another, there was another word for God or like a name for God. He's my rock, my sword, my shield. I had them all in there. And I would open up the back of my Bible and I would start writing down. And I have a list of 102 words for God is what I called it. And we can actually show it a little bit. This is actual actual uh, skin. I wrote down uh, 102 names for God. Living water the captain of salvation, the bread of life, finisher of our faith, master, truth, conqueror. and I can't read it. I was in second grade when I wrote it. (laughs) But I had one. There's a lot of different names for God. Why is that? To simply say God does not encapsulate all that he is. It's not big enough of a word. God is so amazing, so wonderful, that a single word like God doesn't do him justice of who he actually is. And God chose, throughout the Old Testament, God chose to be understood, to reveal himself through a multiplicity of names. And when we look in our Bible, they're all translated and boiled down to God, usually, or maybe God Almighty. But to simply say God doesn't encapsulate all that he is, he chose to be understood through a multiplicity of names. And there are a lot of names in the Old Testament. So what? Why does this matter? Why do many names of God matter? I'm going to ask Pastor Deal to come up and help me with this. You see, power is connected to a name. If I, if I'm, um, if, I, if I need the law to come against me, the police would say, open up in the name of the law. See, there's, there's power attached to the name of the law, and that gives them the power to blow the door down. Or a judge in the name of the law can just say, Contempt, and I'm in jail for until he says I can get out. That's the power of the name of the law. If you want someone to stop, you might tell them to stop in the name of love before they break your heart. (laughs) Thanks. This man here, go ahead and turn and face him. This man here, to most of you, you know him by the name Pastor Deal. That's his most common name around here, Pastor Deal. But he has a lot of names. Pastor Deal is an appropriate name for him, and that tells a part of the story of who he is. But he's one person. Uh, I know that there's, there was one lady that attended our church who had grown up her whole life Catholic. And when she came here, she just couldn't call him anything but Father Deal. That was just how her, her brain was stuck in Father Deal. So, Father Deal, okay. S- same difference here. Some people have known him as Professor Deal or Reverend Deal. He is a revered teacher. He's a teacher of the Bible. That tells a part of the story. But not the whole story. I'm not sure why my mom is laughing, but she His friends long ago called him the Bishop of Waterloo. I think that's kind of funny. But again, that tells part of the story. It doesn't tell the whole story of who this person is. There's few of you that know him as Ralph. And according to him, no one's still alive. Is that right? That can say, Ralphie? They're all dead. They're all dead, he says. They're all dead. <laughs> but that, when he was little, he was Ralphie. Little Ralphie. That tells a story. This man, pastor deal, reverend deal, professor. He was, he was a little kid. That's, and when he was a little kid, he was called Ralphie. That was a name that was attached to him when he was a little kid. When he was in the army and he would sign papers with his initials, R-O-D, His army buddies call him Rod for his initials. Rod. It's another name for this man. Tells a different story. See, every time you get a name, there's something that's attached to it. When he signed a paper in the the army, R-O-D, that's where he got the name Rod, but there was power attached to that. He was saying, like, yes, I did this. There's another name. Honey is a name. One person gets to call him that. My mom gets to call him Only one. Honey. What's the power attached to the name honey? That means this is a man that can change a light bulb. Honey. <laughs> there's a power attached to that name. There's also the name, just two people get to use this one, dad. Dad. That tells a part of the story. You don't get to know him that way. But I know him as dad. And There's power attached to that or, or daddy. There's power attached to the name daddy. Some people get to call him Grandpa. There's a different power that's attached, a different blessing that can come out of grandpa that doesn't come out of pastor deal, it comes out of grandpa. You understand this? But daddy, grandpa, reverend deal, there's still one person here. But he's all of those things. And every time we see another name, we see, "Oh yeah, he's a grandpa. Oh yeah, he's a dad. Oh yeah, he's he's married. Oh, he's he's a teacher." We see a different perspective of him. Aren't you glad that God lets us know all of his names and we get to know him as all of them? That's good news. He's the same person. But Reverend Deal gets to bless you with a nice funeral. Daddy can bless with appropriate punishment, the keys to the car, an allowance. There's different blessings that come out of the different things of who the one person is. Does that make sense? Can we put our hands together and let this guy know how much we appreciate him and love him? Thank you, guys. Love you. There's power connected to the name. In every name of God, there's a new understanding, a new perspective, a new power behind it. It's not that there's a lot of gods. There's one. But God has chosen to be known by a multiplicity of names so we can understand a little bit more about him and we can access his power. That's why we're calling this name-dropping, accessing the power of God's names. Let me show you how this series is going to help your life. I want you to know why you shouldn't miss, or if you do miss, you need to get online the week, the week of and check it out. You need to get, get caught up. You need to stay with us on our website. I don't want you to miss this because this is going to help you. The Bible tells a story about David and Goliath, little boy David, is up against the great Philistine. And the Philistine, uh, Goliath, was scoffing David and his God. He was saying, like, what are you doing? You're coming after me. You're just a boy. <laughs> I'm big Goliath. Well, You're just sending a little boy after me? Ha <laughs> ha. And he was scoffing. And David says to Goliath, he says in 1 Samuel 17, 45, David said to Goliath, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in what? The name. The name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You come against me against normal fleshly things. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Here's what, I'm, here's what I mean. When you're facing a giant, you need to know the name of God. When you're facing a giant in your life, you need to know the name of God. Your giant may be an addiction. Your giant may be a sin, a problem, a concern. Your mental health may be your giant. Your physical health may be your giant. Your relationships, your finances, your anxiety, your negative self-talk, your insecurity could be your giant. Whatever your giant may be, when you're facing it, you need to know the name of the Lord. Because you can come against the giant. You should come against the giant in the name of the Lord Almighty. But I feel like a lot of us are facing a giant in the name of something else. Can you imagine being a little kid? And you're facing Goliath? Like, what kind of guts is it to say, you come against me against that? Like, Goliath, like, his tools would have been bigger than the kid. And he's like, I come against you in the name of the Lord. Like, what confidence, what trust David had? He had a lot of trust. What's your trust in? I feel like a lot of us are coming against our Goliath with our own stuff. Some of us like to trust ourselves. I can handle it. I can, I'm strong. You may be strong. But if you still have your problem, let me just ask you, how's that working out for you? If you still have it, it's because you can't handle it on your own. If you still have your problem, you can't handle it on your own. You need, you need some help. You need Jesus. Maybe your trust is in your therapist and your parents. Maybe your trust is in your medication or your money, or your boss, or your girlfriend, or your husband. That's not where your source is. Those are resources, but your source is God. Don't put your trust there. Your pastors are a resource. They're not your source. So don't trust pastors as your source. When you're facing the giant, you need to know the names of God. You need to know who to call to. Most of the names revealed in the Old Testament are a response to a situation, and that's what this series is going to look at. There's, there's people in the Bible that were in a particular situation. They were having, a, usually it was a problem, and out of the problem, God revealed a name that was commensurate to the problem. Whatever your problem is, there God's got a name for that. God's got a name for that. There's a name. There's an identity of God, a, a dimension of God that is commensurate to your problem. What's his name? I have one Hebrew, actually two Hebrew names I'm going to give you today. Uh, one big one I'm going to share at the end. But before then, I just want to tell you a little bit about God's name. And we're going to break it down. We're going to work our way through Psalm chapter 8. If you want to turn to it, you can. But we'll have the words on the screen for you. Psalm chapter 8. Uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. There's nine verses. Um, but I'll take it verse by verse. Verse, uh, verse 1. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How majestic. Number one is his name is majestic. His name is majestic. This speaks to his dignity. His, his beauty and his dignity. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 2 goes on. Through the praise of children and infants. Everybody say children and infants. Okay, say it like you mean it. Everybody say, children and infants. infants. There you go. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Number two, his name is for those who are dependent. It was through children and infants, the praise of children and infants, that his name was established as a stronghold. If you have everything together and you're not dependent on God, you're not going to get a lot out of church if you got everything together. You're depending on yourself. It's when you lean on God that you get out of you get a lot out. It's when you when you trust in what God is doing. See, God discloses His name. What is that? That's a fly. Sorry for those of you that couldn't see it. There was a fly, like absolutely pestering me, and I couldn't take it anymore. Anyway, God discloses. His name to those who are humble enough to be dependent. If you're not dependent, you may not hear, understand God's, God's name. If you're dependent, let me talk about this idea of being dependent. Because we should be dependent upon God. If you're dependent, you need someone else to protect you. You need protected. Uh, Proverbs 18, 10 says, The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord, what is it? It's a strong tower. It's a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So the unrighteous that don't run into it are unsafe, I suppose. Susceptible to attacks of the enemy. But it's only those who are trusting to be protected. You have to be dependent, knowing that you can't protect yourself. You need God. It's the name of the Lord that is a strong tower for you. If I'm making sense, say, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. Just accept the fact that you can't protect yourself. If you're dependent, you kneel. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. I'll just read verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. At the name of who? At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So we bow to his name. We bow to all that he represents. Think about the the feelings that come along with the idea and the imagery of kneeling. Like I remember seeing the old... Uh, Superman movies and General Zod shows up to, to the White House and he makes the president kneel down and I was like being a kid I'm like no don't bow to Zod <laughs> and then Superman saved the day But when you kneel it's submission that's why I didn't like seeing the president kneel to General Zod and Superman Like it's, you're submitting you're giving up You're surrendering. When you're dependent, that's what you do. You you kneel. Submission doesn't begin until you do something you don't want to do. I'd rather sit around and be lazy. That's easier. But instead, I'm going to submit to the fact that God has stuff for me to do. So I'm going to get up and go. All right. Uh, Verse 3. In Psalm chapter 8, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. That Hebrew word for fingers could have been interpreted finger. It's, pl- it's plural or single. Plural or single? What's the word? Singular, thank you. It's plural or singular. I couldn't think of my own words. I didn't write the Bible, I'm sorry. But it could have been just the finger. So in verse 3... Uh, David is saying, like, like, look how vast God is. Look how big God is. The moon, the stars, the the galaxies. All of it was created by your finger. And it might have even been his pinky. I just like to, to imagine. I'm a creative guy. I like to think how God might have done it. It might have been a little bit like, moon. <laughs> Jupiter. Mars. But he did it with his finger, according to this. If I was writing this, I would have said, like, Your mighty bicep created the earth. His mighty hands put the stars in the sky. But that's not what David said is his finger. He's trying to draw contrast to just how huge God is. He's so huge. Number three, his name is extraordinarily strong. Extraordinarily strong. It's not his hands, not his voice, not his strong arm, but his finger that created all of the galaxies. When you think of something that's strong, you don't usually think of a, of a, of a finger, do you? You ever seen a guy at the, at the gym doing finger curls? <laughs> Just waiting for a girl to walk by? So, never seen that. It was a, something small that was mentioned. What God can do is not ordinary. It's extra ordinary. It's more than ordinary. It's extraordinary. You, see, you're in your house. Let me help you. Help you get this. In your house, you may have your ordinary towels. You get out of the shower. You use those towels, and then you may have nicer towels that people that don't live in your house get to use. And they come over, those are extraordinary towels, guest towels. You have your ordinary towels, and then you got your set apart towels, the ones that are set up over here, the extraordinary ones, or you have in my house we have we have dishes these are the dishes we we eat on we cut stuff on we put them in the dishwasher we put them back in the thing we throw them in the microwave it's our normal everyday ordinary dishes and then over in a cabinet we have the dishes for when king charles comes the, you know the fine the fine dishes the faint, those are the set apart dishes we have ordinary and we have extraordinary we have ordinary and we have set apart we, we keep them apart. We don't put them in the same cabinet. We, we have them set apart. Holy is what that is. That's, that's holy. God's name is not ordinary. It's extraordinary. It's holy and set apart. Jesus said that we should pray, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means set apart. It's something special. When God said, don't use, don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain, the opposite of Setting his name apart is to use it in vain, use it without any power. But we can use the name of God with power. It's set apart, it's holy, it's extraordinarily strong. We should keep God's name hallowed, holy, and set apart because it's the only name that actually saves us. Acts 4.12 tells us, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. That's an extraordinarily strong name. So in verse 3, see, uh, there's kind of an arc here. We're going to look at verse 3, verse 4, and then the next three verses after that. Verse 3, David David said, Look how vast everything that you created with your finger is. Look how huge it is. And then he's contrasting now in verse 4. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. So verse 3 was... You're so huge. Verse four is, but you're right here and you care about me right now. Number four is his name is personal. His name is personal. It's extraordinarily strong. It's personal and God cares a whole lot about each of you. That big God with a powerful pinky. He loves you and he cares about you. In Exodus 25, when God establishes how he wants to be worshipped and how he wants to come and be with his people, and he talks about the Ark of the Covenant, and he says, I'm going to come dwell with you. I'm going to come meet with you. I'm going to come talk with you. Jesus taught us that his eyes on the sparrow, and if his eye is making sure that the sparrow is taken care of, how much more then is he going to take care of us? He cares deeply about us. In the Old Testament, when Hagar was mistreated and God appeared to her, she named God El Roy. Meaning the God that sees me. I see the God that sees me. That's one of the names of God in Hebrew. El Royi. The God who sees me. That big God cares so much about you. And he revealed him personal names to help us understand and know him more. Alright, so verse 3 was... How big is God? Verse 4 is, and he cares deeply about me personally right now. And then watch this. You have made them, human beings, you've made human beings a little lower than the angels. And crowned them with glory and honor. You put us in charge of your handcrafted world. Repeated to us your Genesis charge. Made us stewards of sheep and cattle. Even animals out in the wild. Birds flying and fish swimming. Whales singing in the ocean depths. Here's number five. His name unlocks partnership. How big is God? You care deeply for us now, and you give us control over the earth? Like, we get to run earth? Whoa. God's name unlocks partnership. That's how it's always been. In Genesis 1, God said, God said, God said, God said. God created man and woman, and then he said, you get to name them. Do you think God needed help? Naming. Like, all he had to do was speak and planets were formed. He didn't need help coming up with elephant, rhino. Whoever came up with hippopotamus, like, that's a guy. That's a a good one. God didn't need help with it. But he wanted partnership. From the very beginning, he wanted partnership. How big is God? He wants to be with me now and he's going to partner with me. If we partner with him. If we partner with him. God wants partnership and his name unlocks partnership. When we know God's name, we know him better. When we know him better, we partner with him even more. Jesus said it like this. I really want this to sink into you. Because this is a, this is a truth about the gospel that I think is too often ignored. There is something special about the church, the Christian church today. We, God chose for you to be here in this generation for a purpose. Jesus taught that he, he wants to partner with us. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer called you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus brought a relationship here He's describing, when I make known to you what I'm doing, you're a friend. Or in this sense, like you are a servant. That'd be a great honor. But when we know what God's doing, we're partners in a business. We're not even. Like we're not equal. But he wants to have a partnership with us. God wants you to know his name, bear his name, and share his name. When we know his name, that's, that's knowing what it is. When we bear his name, that changes us. And when we share his name, it changes somebody else. So I just told you a Hebrew name for God just a minute ago. El Royi. The God who sees me. Now you know it. Good job. It's in your brain. What good is that? El Royi. And then we can, he wants us to know it. He wants us to bear his name. You are the God who sees me. That does something to you, doesn't it? When you're hurting, he's the God that sees you. When you're crying and you think nobody else sees it, he's the God. His name is El Roy. He's the God who sees you. So we bear his name. It changes us. And then he wants us to share his name. So when I see somebody else hurting, I can say, you know what? God sees you. God sees you. God knows you're hurting. And we can share it. When we do that, we're unlocking partnership. We are God's handiwork, Ephesians tells us. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepares in advance for us to do. Don't you want to know what God... like? Hey, guys, your wife may have a honey do list, but did you know God may have a get-it-done list? God prepared in advance things for us to do, the good works. I want to know what's on... God's to-do list for me. Because every day I wake up and I think, like, what's, I really do, I've like, what's God got for me today? What is it today? I want to do it. I want you to think that way too. This is possible because we know God's name, we bear his name, and we share his name. God prepared it and we can do it. That's partnership. That's partnership. He prepared it for us. And it's been God's plan since the very beginning in Genesis 1. So how are you going to partner with God and do what he prepared for you to do? It starts with knowing his name, which is just something you know, and then you bear his name, and it changes you, and then you share his name. If it changes you, you can share it. Know his name, bear his name, share his name. Psalm 8 finishes with the worship leader David culminating like this. He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think David was just worshiping here. Number six is this. He's his name is highest. His name is the highest. David was overwhelmed, I believe, when he was writing this. God, how, how big you are. You made all of this with your finger, yet you know me and love me personally, right here, right now, and you want to partner with me? How do you respond to that? You say something to the effect of, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. His name is highest. Here's what I'm saying. When you know God's name, worship gets a whole lot easier. Nobody has, when you know God, nobody has to drag you to church. Nobody's got to say, hey, wake up. Nobody's got to remind you that, you're, that that's what we do on Sunday. No one has to remind you on Saturday. Because you want to go. It's going to change. The more you know God's name, the more it's going to change you. And It's going to be really easy. It's not hard. It's not a hassle. It's not a burden. It's, well, yeah, I'm going to go. I want to know more about God. He's worthy because his name is majestic. It is highest. In Genesis 14, there's a story that's told. And we discover a name of God in Genesis 14 that uh, it's, we'll show you in a moment. It's El Elyon. It means God most high. He's the highest. But let me tell you the situation that this name was revealed in. What was going on in Genesis 14 is there's two alliances of countries. There's a group of countries here, and they're fighting against another group of countries. And in this group of countries, it includes uh, uh, Sodom, where Abraham's nephew Lot was living. It also includes uh, the city of Salem, where King Melchizedek was, was the ruler. And these two feuding alliances were fighting against each other, and one group Overtook the 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 other group that Lot's nephew Lot, or Abraham's nephew Lot was in, and they captured them and took everything. Abraham was not part of that fight. He just he just knew that his nephew Lot was taken by another king, and so there's all these kings that are feuding. One set of kings captured Abraham's nephew Lot, and Abraham was like, I can't deal with that. I want Lot back, and so he went after to rescue his his nephew Lot. And and according to the Bible, he he took 318 people, 318 trained workers, trained fighters, and they went after the alliance, like the alliance of nations. And according to the Bible, they chased him over 50 miles. They routed him out, they chased him down, Abraham rescued everybody. He got his nephew Lot back. He got all the stuff back. He got all the nations back. He rescued them all. He chased them down. Didn't have a tank. Didn't have an engine. Didn't have any airships overhead. Nothing. He just took them down because he had 318 guys that could fight. I guess that was, they were good fighters maybe. We'll see. There's more to it. After that, after Abraham rescued them, two kings came and talked with Abraham. There's the king of Sodom and the king of uh, Salem, which means the, the city of peace. The king of Sodom came up and said, you know, hey, good job, Abraham. Thanks for, you know, rescuing all of us. I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. You get to keep all the stuff. Just give me all the people. Give me all, the whole group. Give me all the people, Abraham. And Abraham basically said back, why should I share the credit? Like, I, I don't see a reason to negotiate with a loser. You had nothing. You were captured. And I rescued you, King of Sodom. Why should I share the credit with you? You're going to take the credit. You don't deserve the credit. And he introduced us to a name of God. It's El El Young, God Most High. The reason Abraham said the reason that I beat that I rescued you was because I had 318 people plus El El Young. That's all it took. 318 plus God most high. The most high. You were you had kings here and there was kings here and you had authority. You were high. But I just needed 318 guys plus the highest. El Yong, the Lord. Most high. The highest. Abraham saying, I was in a pit. I had trouble. I couldn't get out of it. 318 verses in alliance this is a not good odds. I, had, I was in a pit. I had trouble. I couldn't get out of it. You were kings. You thought you had everything t- together and you were powerful. But I had somebody that was higher. El Young. Church, I want you to remember however high your situation is, there's someone higher. There's a greater authority. He's not just higher. He owns it all. Genesis 14, 22. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord El El Young, creator of heaven and earth. Not only is he the highest, but he's the creator of it. That means he's the possessor of it. Think about it. The, all the powers that you would know in the world the police, the, the FBI, the Interpol, um, the Supreme Court, all the greatest courts of the land, all the powers that be, all of them are users of creation. They were given creation, and they get to use it. That's the highest power that that our brains can comprehend is is people that can use creation. And El El Young, he doesn't get to use creation. He owns it. He, He made it. He's the most high. He's the creator of the earth. So he possesses all of creation. He doesn't get to use it. He has it. It's all his. And that's why when the other king, the king of Salem, the city of peace, King Melchizedek, who identified as a priest of El Elyon, he came and blessed Abraham. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything because he recognized his source was El Elyon. The 318 people that went fighting was a resource, but the source of the victory, the source of deliverance was El Elyon. So Abraham didn't keep everything. He held back a tenth to acknowledge that El Elyon was his source of deliverance. So he had no problem with it. Would you stand with me? All the powers on earth are users of creation. They truly are users of creation. But El Young is the possessor of creation. He has it. He has it. And with a swipe of his finger, a point of his finger, all power, anything can change. Anything can change. So what we're doing in this series is we're magnifying the name of the Lord. We're making it just a little bit bigger. There are sources in this world, there are powers in this world, but it's not El Young. There are people that are in charge of aspects of your life, but it's not El Young. They all answer to El the Lord. Most high. The God most high. Doesn't get higher. However high your situation is, church, there is someone higher. However bad your pit is, there's somebody up above you that can pull you up. Whatever your doctor told you is going down, there's a God that can pull you back up. Whatever the enemy lies to you and says says like lies to get you down. Whatever the enemy says to get you down and depressed, LL Young can pull you up. His name is a fortress. So we can run to it now. Amen? Amen. Let's praise his name. We're going to magnify the name of the Lord. When you magnify it, you're making it bigger. Magnifying doesn't really make God bigger. It just makes, like the words. If I have a magnifying glass, it doesn't make the words bigger. It doesn't change what's there. It just makes them appear bigger. So when we magnify the name of the Lord, we're not changing who God is, we're just making them look bigger. We're gonna make him look bigger in our lives and worship him. Lord, we worship you and declare your praise today. We love you, Lord.